When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to episode 121 of Say Hello to My Paroni. Paroni. And on this episode, I'll be talking to Julie Jay, a wonderful Irish comedian. Uh, well, it's been uh, uh, an interesting weekend in Ireland where a lot of people went on a march. Well, I'll, no, actually, very few people went on a march in Dublin uh, against the Minister for Children to do with nothing, really, except a photograph that he was with a person that... Uh, they object to but uh, I'm just wondering if people are going slightly insane with this lockdown and with social media they seem there seems to be a or maybe this always was happening but there seems to be this kind of jumping on the bandwagon mentality where somebody goes oh there's all there's here's a thing we should be angry about and loads of people jump on top of it and get angry particularly on Twitter uh, Twitter is a hellhole at times, and yet at times Twitter is great fun. But, uh, if you get sucked into some kind of an argument, it's awful. Uh, same with Facebook a little bit. Instagram is more happy, isn't it? It's just pictures of people at the beach, having a birthday. No one gets really angry on Instagram, as far as I know. But perhaps I'm just missing out on the angry Instagram posts. Um, on other news, if you looked at my Instagram recently, you may have seen that I am... Uh, my face, that is, is been tattooed on another man, uh, on a man's back. Uh, it's more like a, a uh, cartoon of Father Damo tattooed, tattooed on a man's back. Well, that is the third man... All men that I've been tattooed on, uh, as far as I know. Um, is that a good thing? It's not really, it doesn't make any difference to me. It's not my face, really. It's just a caricature of a character that I did. And I'm on someone's uh, leg, two, pe two guys' legs, I believe, and one man's back. Interesting though. Is that fame? Not really. And who cares about fame? Really? I mean, I was just thinking the other day, what would you prefer? 
Here would you prefer, what? Would you prefer to be Michael Jackson? Or just some bloke who led a happy life and was just, just a decent guy? I think go for the decent guy. You wouldn't want to be, have been Michael Jackson. Considering what he ha- rumoured to have done at the end of the day, if you add it all up, would you just prefer to be decent bloke? I mean, you could say the same about Manny. Elvis, would you wanted to be Elvis? Sure, there would have been a great period. But then, it died in your four, 42, he died fat. No, I prefer to be just a happy bloke, a plumber or something. Marlon Brando, one of my favourite actors, Marlon Brando, lived a long life, but ended up, something must be amiss when you just can't stop eating. A very handsome, beautiful man, brilliant actor, and then towards the end of his life just could not stay away from the fridge. Um, Would you prefer that life or... A farmer who just loved farming and brought up a family. You'd prefer the second one, wouldn't you? Really, at the end of the day. I mean, people will say, people would say, yes, but, uh, you're, you live on after you've died. Like you, you're Marlon Brando, you're all these films people are still watching after he's dead or Elvis Presley, people still, uh, listen to his music and will for, Ever. Probably not forever, actually. Uh, but he's dead! It doesn't matter when you're dead. I don't imagine. You know, you're dead. Who gives a shit? Um, and it won't last forever. Because in a hundred years time, rock and roll music is gonna seem like feckin' primitive, just tribal music. Okay. Probably. Maybe not. I've no idea. Um, you know, because do we listen to any music from a hundred years? Uh, yeah, classical, classical music. And it's not primitive, is it? At all. It's better. It's, what we're listening to now is primitive, probably, in comparison. Certainly rave music. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm gone off the point. But the point is, I guess, the point is, is that, yeah, it doesn't really matter once you're dead how famous you've been. And you're better off living a good life rather than being really famous but being a, a bollocks um i would i would have thought so but the question i've always wondered is do you have to be a bit screwed up or a bit of a bollocks to make great art i don't know i do think you have to be a little bit uh uh going you have to put yourself some through some kind of, uh, uh, you have to be somehow vulnerable, look vulnerable, be struggling. You have to struggle through something to make art. You don't have to be a bollocks, but you have to be struggling in some way. Um, and it's that struggle that people feel compelled to watch. There you go. Well, anyway, that all started from, uh, thinking about what it's my face being tattooed on some random people's bodies. But anyway, yeah, look, this is, uh, this is, uh, Julie J. And during this, uh, interview, I will, uh, refer to the Need to Know comedy show. And that's basically, a, it is another, a visual, a comedy related podcast on YouTube, which I do. So I'm, I'm going to double up. So if you wanted to watch 
this interview, you go to the Need to Know Comedy Show. And uh, some of them I will put out and Potter Rooney as well. But uh, yeah, so far I've talked to a, a guy called Joey Page and Stephen Frost also on the Need to Know Comedy Show. It's going out on YouTube. Um, the producers are based in London, but... Uh, but it's going out everywhere. You can watch it anywhere in the fucking world. Oh no, of course now. Okay, uh, okay, well, here we go. This is Julie J. Okay, Julie, yeah, thanks for joining me here on the Need to Know Comedy Show. Hope you're well. Hi, uh, I'm well. How are you, Joe? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing okay now. I'm up and down. I think this, uh, the uh, yeah. can be I'm fine for a few weeks and then I get really pissed off of just not knowing where the where things are going with the comedy. and Where is career. the end point? I know. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm pro- I'm probably the same, to be honest. I because I was laughing because obviously I am up the duff at the moment as well. Yeah, so I'm always I'm. A, well, thanks so much. Now there, there was very little work involved, but thank you, Joe. Um, but no, I do have moments, and I'm like, oh, I get a bit pissed off, and I'm like, is it pregnancy hormones? Is it the lockdown? You know, you have moments of being emotional, mm-hmm. and it's usually just because I've been watching normal people. Like that really wrecks wrecks my emotions. That show. So it's oh, really? usually the it's usually the latter, but I think I think it's an up and down time for a lot of people, isn't it? Oh yeah, I've, that's weird. Like I've grabbed for a while, and then yeah. and then I just go shit. Like I can't see what's going to happen. Where's the end point? Yeah. So and I just get a little bit down, and it happens yeah. and it goes for about two days, and uh, and then it it's gone again. Yeah, I think I think everyone's been like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so listen, Julie, where where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? So I grew up. Um, I'm a bit of a hybrid. So I would have grown up. I would have spent a lot of time in Kildare and Kerry. They were the two places. Yes. So and I'm you... currently in West Kerry now, but I probably would have spent a bit more time in West Kerry. In West Kerry, that's yeah, really. Uh, the arsehole of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, isn't it such a lovely arsehole, though? As arseholes oh, yeah. go, it's just it's it's it's, it's a ble- it's a bleached bumhole. That's what it is. It's just it's like literally the apex of arseholes. It is lovely. Ah, uh, no, yeah, it's a beautiful place. There's a lot worse. Now, the Midlands is pr- of Ireland is probably the the worst arsehole of anywhere. So the, anywhere around the coast is lovely. Yeah, no, it is. It is fab. I am biased. Like we're living here now at the moment. Poor Fred, he came down at Christmas for a couple of months because we have been living in Meath, and then of course the whole lockdown happened. So he's now having a Kerry baby. Somehow that happened along the way. But I mean, it's great. We love being here. I know it's beautiful. I'm sure it's beautiful. So did you go to school in Kerry then? No, I would have gone to school in Kildare in Ah. Leakslip. In Kildare, so practically okay. Dublin, but not quite. Right. And did you in school? What were you good at? What were your strong points? 
Oh, I was a I was a nerd in school. I really was. I was such a nerd. Um, I I probably was. I wouldn't even say I was naturally academic, but I was just such a swat that it did pay off for me. So I wouldn't think I wouldn't put myself down as I never describe myself as an intelligent person. Um, but I probably worked the system pretty well when I was in school. So I'd say, yeah, absolute swat. Um, that's just full disclosure. So what subjects did you do? Physics, maths, English? Oh, well, I mean, I, I was a swap, but I wasn't that much of a swap show. Like, I wanted to have friends, okay? So I said no to physics. Um, no, I would have done it. So for my leave, I started watching, like, history, biology, French, art. Right, uh, yeah. I lo- I did love art. I really, really did. I did love art. That was my one thing. I mean, obviously, hated sport. None of that was for me. Um, so, yeah, I was just a complete nerd. But art, that's cool. You do, uh, so did you venture into arts after school then? You know, you know what? I would have loved, I would have loved, I remember I went to Ballyfermish and I, I, I interviewed for a PLC course to do art. And I really, really did want to do art, but I just chickened out in the end. So I said, no, look, I won't do art. I'll do something that's really practical. So I decided to do arts, which is like nearly as bad as art. Um, but no, I really, I really did love the art. It's something that I'd love to come back to. I haven't done it for a long time. Yeah. So what, sorry, when you say you did arts. With an S. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I did English and Irish. In, so I, I, in university? In college, yeah. So I went, yeah. I was, I really wanted to go down the Irish route, but I just didn't have the balls. So I said, you know what, I'll do English and Irish instead. Okay, and then in college, were you doing any, uh, you know, society stuff like drama or... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, like, I went to, because I went to Trinity, um, and I have to say now to reference it again, but normal people, when you see Connell and how he found it quite jarring, the experience at Trinity, I was probably similar. I was quite young when I went to college. I was only 17. Mm. So I, I think I think it actually took me a good two years before I got into the whole society side of things. Mm-hmm. But it, it did it did definitely take me a while. I don't know, was that because I was quite young? Um, a lot of people in my English class as well. It was just a totally different experience. So we had a lot of, I suppose you'd call them like English, lovable English tops. You know, they were really nice, mm. but I had very little in common with them. So yeah, it probably, yeah. yeah, it just, we, we didn't have a lot of common ground. So we probably, it well, probably put me off uh, joining societies. Wa- some of the people watching this will be in the UK. So, so to give an idea, Trinity is a kind of a tough type university. Yeah, it is. And do you know what? I made my best friends ever there. Like I made such good friends there, but I think I was probably, uh, it, it was just, it was a massive culture shock for me. Um, and then I went on and like my best friends, even now I made a Trinity. So I think as my confidence grew, I got a little bit more involved in, you know, different bits and bobs and like the comedy and the drama and the debating and all that. So that was great. Oh, good. Yeah. So that kind of brought you towards stand up comedy. Yeah, well, I always wanted to do stand up comedy like forever, but I think, you know, it's. It, I. I didn't know anyone who did stand up comedy. It just seemed so alien. I had no idea how you might get. I didn't actually start stand up until I was 
I was doing the maths on it this morning. I think it was 32 when I started stand-up. So it was something I always wanted to do, but I think it was just maybe a confidence thing that I didn't actually verbalise, oh, I'd like to do comedy until I was 32. Yeah, but you so that stand-up comedy. But before that, you did some kind of drama or comedy? Yeah, I would have yeah, done bits and bobs in college. Um, but again, I was always the person, I would have been very much like happy on the peripheries. So I would wouldn't have put myself forward for like the starring roles necessary, but I necessarily. But I was always kind of loitering about when these things were happening, like like just kind of a creepy comedy voyeur <laughs> <laughs> watching from afar. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'd, I'd be honest with you. I think it's a. I probably was around thirty when I did stand up. I did sketches. Okay. Yeah, I did sketches. I loved character stuff. Like when yeah. I did, I did Father Ted. I was only starting out in stand up then. I was really. Joe, were you and Father Ted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is news yeah. to me. You might have how, heard. How, how old were you when you were in Father Ted? I was thirty-three. You were thirty-three. <laughs> no, yeah, I looked you like looked a. So young. I looked like a teenager. I was playing a teenager, really. Yeah. You looked so young in that. Wow. And Ardell Hanlon was about 31 or two. We were both in our 30s playing kids. Bizarre. I, I, actually, would Ardell have been that age as well? He'd have to have been, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Definitely 31. I'd say he's about two years younger than me. Yeah. Well, you've both aged so well. Can I just say that? Thanks so much. And I'm also still really immature, which is great. <laughs> um, emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I think, I, I think to be honest, I think I, like even Fred now, my partner, he's the same. He's forever young. And I think, that, is, you know what, I think if you keep a, a certain tree of immaturity, it does keep you young. It's yeah, the best I, moisturizer. <laughs> can we, can we put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> oh, look, I'm, it's, uh, I'm all about the brand, Joe. Absolutely. The yeah. t-shirts are already being printed as we speak. Oh. Immaturity is the best moisturizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just to explain, yeah, your, so your partner is a stand-up comedian as well. Brett he is, Cole. yeah. He uh, is. Yeah. So listen, starting off doing stand-up is horrible, isn't it? Uh, would you agree with me? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Nerve-wracking. Oh, it's, do you know what? There's no nervous energy like it. I mean, and do you know, I'm somebody now that I'd say, you know, the last few months I've probably gotten better, the last year maybe. But even, yeah. you know, even up to last year when I was supporting Tommy when he was on his tour, Tommy it's Pierce. funny. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how you think as it goes on. I mean, you do get better with nerves for sure. But then yeah. you have this massive gig and suddenly it's like it's back to four years ago and it's that same energy. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um it, it is. It's the it's the scariest and probably the toughest thing I've ever done is is comedy. But sure, that's why you love it. And that's why you love it. I sure I said I said it's horrible. It's horrible before you go on. But the uh Oh the worst, yeah. But when it goes well it's unbelievable. I mean, there's the adrenaline rush that you get with comedy. It's just, it's it's indescribable to people who don't do it. I mean, and you know what's, it's just, I think 
you know, it's the adrenaline, it's the payoff, it's thinking of something in the moment and deviating from the script. And that's, you know, the killer joke of the night. I mean, all of that is just, it's amazing. It's the best feeling. Actually, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. The little bit that you ad lib that works is uh, the best part of it. Oh, and, and you know as well, because you know the audience know that you're ad libbing. That's like they're in on it too. They know that you've just had this moment of genius. Yeah. I mean, you just think it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. You feel like you could take on the world after a good gig like that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I agree with you there. And a lot of comedians, some comedians I talk to uh, uh, are really prepared and don't veer off. And they, they work out the joke before they go on stage. I always find that some of the best lines I've ever come up with came to me on stage. It was just yeah. the, the, I don't know what it is, the adrenaline or the... It's it's something about the space, like the creative juices are flowing. Like that's why, because so many people have said to me, I'm sure they probably said to you as well, and most comedians during lockdown, oh, you must have written loads of stuff. And it's funny because I think you need that creative space. You need to be performing in order to come up with stuff as well. Like, obviously, we've all written bits and bobs, but there is something about that zone. Um, And I don't know, is it it maybe the dynamic as well between yourself and the audience that you kind of deviate and then, you know, you, you kind of hit gold. But I think, like, I certainly would have been, even when I was supporting Tommy, which was... When did I last support him? I mean, it was probably two years ago now, maybe. Um, but I was probably, because I felt that I was still quite fledgling, I was just clinging to this script and I was really reluctant to deviate. And it's probably the last year, like when I was doing my own tour and things. And when you deviate, I mean, that that's when comedy happens, really. So it surprises me when you meet people who've been doing it for a very very long time and they, they are like well this is my script this is what I'm doing um because I, I think that that can be kind of it can be suffocating as well mm-hmm. definitely I, I felt that a, a couple of times you know when it, you, you supported Tommy Tiernan on a big nationwide tour and when I was starting out or uh, maybe a few years into it I supported Pat Short on a nationwide tour and uh, and I got stuck in a set that was working yeah it can destroy you then you just get fed up of it you get Absol- yeah absolutely and I think I think that's what happened to me was that I had my set and that's what I delivered every night and it's it so destroying because you know that you can you can like do better you can change it up but it's I guess it's a comfort blanket as well you think well this is working so this story is a big deal so I'm just gonna stick to this set instead of deviating a bit yes but then eventually uh, you uh, kind of go I'm just going on I'm gonna do the same stuff again every night it's horrible <laughs> it is horrible yeah it is it is and actually because I can remember Tommy did say that to me at some stage and I thought it was great advice but this was at like the second last gig with, with him so I was like I wish you shared this nugget on night one yeah. um, but he was he did say yeah you know it's really good just each time you do your set to just try something new each yeah. night and then that kind of builds your next set and it's such an obvious thing, but I was like, oh yeah, it's not a monologue because that's kind of what I have been doing. And it was working fine. Like in most places, it was working fine. Um, but yeah, I was like, 
that's such an obvious thing, but that's that's what I will do from now on. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, do a little bit of new every night. Another way of sparking a, a bit of life into your set is to go a, a regular bit that you do where you might say something like, it was a Tuesday and then I went in and you just changed the day or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what I mean is uh, you just add something different to the way you say. Yes. Not changing the punchline. It's not changing the story. But you just fucking change the way you and say then it. And it's, then it's funny because even making a change like that, like a little nuance can happen and it adds to the comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, no, it's, it is it's so interesting but I do I wish I could I wish I could go back and be braver that's probably my only regret in comedy so far that at times I probably have clung to the script a bit too much um but it's something now that I'm definitely getting better at absolutely it happened to me as well that that kind of thing and it's a big change don't you find from doing uh clubs to doing a theater where they're all oh wow lined up looking at you it's it's completely different beast, isn't it? It really yeah. like the energy is so different. Like oftentimes with these theatres, and like I've had some of the best gigs of my life in these theatres. But sometimes you do you go out and you have to win them over a bit because the energy yeah. isn't quite. You know, often in a club there's this kind of high octane, like almost chaotic energy where anything can happen. Yeah. But it's like you're fighting against. You know, I suppose we would associate theatres with kind of a a more conservative space. Yes. So sometimes you're kind of trying to win them round to that a little you bit. Are. You are, yeah. And also the fact, I think the fact that they're uh, lined up and facing forward and they're not yes. like around the table where they can laugh to each other. And do you know what I mean? In a, in a club. Absolutely, yeah. You're really right. No, that's totally true. Yeah, it's just not as, what's the word? It's not maybe... um as relaxed essentially mm. because yeah yeah so that's quite shocking actually because I remember I started off doing uh, my own tour up in theatres and I and I realised and I thought oh they're here to see me so they'll be well up for it at the beginning and they weren't actually they, <laughs> they still needed warming up they still needed you had to go through 10-15 minutes where you're going we just need to chat and mess around they're, they're, yeah they're, they're not inclined to chat back to you either no there's none of that and you see I do find in my set because I'll always chat to people and if I'm not getting the chat back I'm just I'm completely disempowered I'm like well I mean this is kind of the show guys like there's another 55 minutes of this um but I'll just I'm like a dog with a bone like an ex-boyfriend once said that to me years ago and it's so true I mean that is my personality down to a T like even if you're not chatting back to me, I'm going to keep chatting to you for the rest of this hour. It's going to be so awkward for everyone. But yeah, I think I think in theatres they do tend to be a little bit less chatty as well. So that that yeah. can again kind of dilute the energy at times. Yeah. Well, if they're used to going to the theatre, they're going. Well, I go see a play. They're not going to yeah. start asking. <laughs> That's me true. Yeah. 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 It's like they they don't suddenly stop and waiting for Gatto, and they're like, "How are you getting on? Any <laughs> any any couples in?" You're like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one night actually, I was I was supporting uh, Pat Short in Nate in Nace in the theatre, and uh, just as I was there, about five minutes or t- three minutes in, and a couple came in late and sat right at the front, and I just kind of slagged off the 
the husband a bit, as in, look at him here, he's walk, like he's walking through a field or something and uh, just going for a walk or something. And big laugh from the audience. And he did not laugh one moment for the whole of my set. Now, I came backstage and the, the, man, uh, the manager, Pat Short's manager said, uh, who was a real country man, you know, he said, uh, you know that couple that came in late? Did they react? Did they have a bad reaction to you? What did they? And I was going, yeah, the guy just stared at me for the whole set. He wasn't laughing. And I was going, oh, yeah, we're trying to get in. And I was saying to them, would you, would you just wait till there's a break in the, it's a big laugh. And then you, and then I'll let you in. And your man's going, I've paid my money. I'll go in whenever I want. And so he pushed his way in. And as he walked in, the manager said to him, you ignorant bastard. And then I, I said to him, look at him here now. He's walking through a field. So he'd absolutely, absolutely been torn apart from both sides. I didn't know so, that. This is like, this is like the opposite of a warm up. <laughs> yeah. so but by the walk- time Pac comes out, like he's gunning for someone. I love it. I know. Uh, no, he probably, he was there for Pat Short. So it didn't of matter. course. How do you uh, feel now that your career would go out? So uh, after touring with Tommy Tiernan, could you feel you could go back to those uh, venues? On yeah, your it's hard. Well, because then last year I was touring with Ardell, which was amazing. Like, what a gentleman. Oh, my God. Ardell, so Ardell. So, I mean, and Tommy, like, the two of them are just so great. But mm. I, do you know what I loved about touring with Ardell was I wouldn't have gigged much up north. Okay. So a lot of the, a lot of those gigs were up north, and I was like, oh, I'd love to go back to some of those places. Like they were great gigs, and yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, like when you're supporting the likes of those guys, the venues are so big. I mean, you know, I'm way off ever performing in, in those kind of places, but I think it definitely gives you a bit more courage, you know, that you can go down to whether it's Ross Gray or Derry or you know Westport or wherever it might be and you know that you you know that your stuff does travel like that's really kind of comforting yeah whether uh, if it's in Ireland or Britain if you're doing the major cities you can get you can start doing material that's fairly urban or something it's tailored I think Yeah. yeah And I, like personally, I find being on, I find being on the road like that is the real test for material. Yeah. Um, like it's, I don't know what it is. Once you kind of go beyond like just the obvious urban areas, mm-hmm. like you, I mean, like even you know with Tommy Anarch, like the, you have the best gigs in these most random places <laughs> that you mightn't have even ever heard of in your whole life, and it's just. It's just really lovely. Um, so I think because then I booked in a tour and I had, I think maybe I'd done four dates on my tour before the pandemic. And like they, they had mostly three out of the four, um, to paraphrase me though, three out of the four <laughs> went really well. And one then was not so good, but that's okay. Um, but I think it gave me the confidence to kind of just book in these random spots. And, you know, so that, that was probably one, thing that I really took from supporting the both of them that's great um have you done the Edinburgh festival I did well I did did it in version commas uh I'd say a couple of years ago but it was a really strange experience I did it for half the run and I was doing it with a guy called Andrew Jorman so his buddy had dropped out at the last minute because he'd gotten like a real job essentially (laughs) and he was like I don't suppose you want to do this 
So we went and it was just a complete washout. We were actually the opposite side of the city. So we were up by Princess Street mm. and it was kind of a pop-up bar. And then the, the venue flooded. Um, so then we <laughs> couldn't, because we, I was saying, I kept rocking up to this venue and I was like, I really think, am I losing my mind? I just think there's more water than there was yesterday. So it turned out that I was not delusional. And the place was flooding over a period of 10, 10 days. Because everyone's like, I think it's just a bit damp, Julie. Um, and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure this is a flood. So after dragging some poor tourists down into our little paddling pool for 10 days, they finally moved us. And then we were... We were kind of in this outside area then with no roof and it continued to rain. So, I mean, let's just say it was a literal washout. That was the Edinburgh experience. And then last year, I just did maybe a week. Um, And I was in the Gilded Balloon and I was kind of sharing the space with a few other comedians. So I did a week there, which was great. But I was all psyched, of course, to do it this year. I mean, I couldn't, I've been dying to do a proper Edinburgh like for so long. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course I was up the Duff so I had been booked in so I had to cancel that mm-hmm. and sure then the pandemic happened so nobody was doing it anyway but I, I cannot wait to get back there next year and just do it yeah, properly. yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic though it's just I think as a comedian you have to you have to do it and I think one part I could see myself like just not stopping and wanting to do it every year yeah yeah it's it's uh it's you have to do it. There's something great about it. It's also quite tough. Uh, uh, yeah. Part of it's uh, part of being uh, you know you have to go through it anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I think gonna... a lot of American comedians find it really weird that it's four weeks mm. of a show. It's very uh, long. But you had you had a great Edinburgh, didn't you? That was it last year you were there. I did two years in a row. Yeah. I, yeah. I decided to go. I can do Edinburgh because my kids have grown up and uh, I've no responsibilities again. Party! <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So I went two years in a row. And my, yeah, my daughter came for a week, both years as well, which is great. And hung out. And uh, she loves it because we go, when she comes over for a week, we go to see a show or two yeah. every day and... It's it's it's, 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 a, it's such a treat. Like even last year, because I was only doing the, my show for a week, um, and like just being able to go to shows in the middle of the day, like your some of your favorite comics. I mean, it, it's such a luxury. It's unbelievable. But yeah. I guess when you're, I guess when you're doing your own show, usually people don't have that experience of it as such. Uh, yeah, I tr- I was trying to get to go see a show a day anyway. But, uh, oh, brilliant! I, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the great thing about the Edinburgh thing is, and I did it two years in a row, is that at the end of I haven't done two years in a row, I had a really good good new set to do during the year after. Brilliant! So that was good. I wasn't going to be doing it this year anyway, but. Uh, because I wanted to do, I, I wanted to get the free fringe, but they didn't accept me. So uh, I couldn't, I don't know why, but because uh, I helped a friend of mine, Ellen O'Reilly, who's been doing comedy for about three months. Uh, she got a show in the free fringe. <laughs> I didn't. I, and they, they, were, they wouldn't accept. So I asked them. That's what, crazy. I don't understand what, what they're, how they pick then. Is it if you're established, they prefer not to get, Pick you? I'm not sure. But surely if you've done, I mean, I would have thought if you've done it before that that would work in your favour, surely. 
I hadn't done the free French. I'd done. Uh, okay. I was doing the stand, and I found that the stand was. It's a bit out of the way. Yeah. 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 Into the area where everybody's passing by trade is, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I might, I'll, I'll, I'll try one of the other venues next year. Yeah, do what you have to. You have to do it, Joe. Well, I that really, really does surprise me now that you wouldn't have got it. That's so strange. You, I don't know what their selection process is. I don't know what it is either. And I just wonder, was it? Is it? They go, oh, this guy can afford to hire a venue. Maybe, maybe that could be it. I did hire a venue two years in a row, but I lost money. (laughs) The money, the money situation is, yeah, it's crazy, to be honest. It really is. I know. And like, that is, I suppose that's the risk you take. But I mean, virtually everyone seems to lose money. It's, it just seems to be that type of festival. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can spend money on. I think you just have to be, think about what you're spending it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as pe- posters, probably posters aren't worth getting at all. I think. I mean, I mean, I just think the posters are kind of redundant, aren't they, in Edinburgh? Because they're just so ubiquitous. That there's so many of them. How would you even? This is it. That I, I just don't think. I, personally, I've never gone to a show in Edinburgh because I've seen a poster. Yeah. Yeah, I think probably from doing it for two years in a row, the best way to get people to your show is to do other shows and do yeah. a 10-minute spot. And yeah. they see, people see you and they go, oh, he's good or she's good. Yeah, actually the comps are great, aren't they? Yeah, they're brilliant. But I, yeah. I really can't. I mean, myself and Fred, we were all, Fred actually wasn't going to do it this year um, because he lost a good bit of money on it last year as well. So uh, we had kind of, I think, I think it's kind of worked, you know, it's worked out. Okay. I was actually quite disappointed when, um, I like, I kind of, you know, did the maths and was like, Oh, I won't be able to go to Edinburgh. But to be fair, like my whole show was about not having kids. So I just think <laughs> it would have been so, <laughs> I'd written an hour. Julie really loved me was the name of it. And, and you would have I, been I mean, <laughs> pregnant doing the show. Do you know what? I just think it would have been such a tough sell, like with the whole with the bump. Everyone's like, "Is she just a really bad celiac? Like, what's going on with the belly?" I, I would have been like Madonna. Do you remember Madonna in Evita? And she found out she was pregnant halfway through filming. So for the second half of the film, Madonna's just in all these coats. Like, I, I would have had to perform every day. In like, in like my Liam Gallagher anorak every day talk, talking about I've no kids. My secret pregnancy. So it's probably it's probably for the best because I don't know if I've written a new hour in this in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now your your show for next year is probably probably going to be about being having a child, I suppose. But you know what? I think there's going to be a lot of those kind of shows. Mm. You know, like a lot of COVID babies floating around. I think there's oh, going to be yeah. there's going to be a lot of new dad shows. I feel. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I know. Probably, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what, what to go. Maybe do some right wing. Uh... <laughs> That's quite niche, isn't it? Well, you definitely yeah. you definitely get the attention if you were like <laughs> Edinburgh's only right wing comedian. <laughs> like the people would come. I know. They would, they would. I think that's the future. That's the future, yeah. Uh, just before, like, thanks for having a chat. And before we run out of time, 
because this is the need-to-know comedy show. I need to know a comedian that you you really reckon has got it and that people might not have heard of. Uh, well, you know who I love? I love a guy called James Moran. I don't know if you encountered James Moran. No, I haven't. He, You would love him, Joe. He is so quirky. He's so brilliant. He really does his own thing. Uh, he's from South County Dublin. He did my podcast with me. Uh, I've got a true crime podcast and he did it and he was just so hilarious. He's so dry. Like he is fantastic. And I just wish, I mean, I just wish he would do more because he is so genius. And anytime people see him, he has this lovely, he, he, he just has a lovely way about him. He's unique. He's super quirky. He's very, very smart, very, very funny. And he writes scripts. So he'll like write a little script and read it out on stage. And yeah. I will just be crying, laughing. And I just love him. I just think he's absolutely brilliant. So James Moran James is Moran. one to watch. Oh, That's yeah. A- You'd love him, Joe. Yeah, it sounds great. I'll, I'll have a look from on uh, YouTube as well. And, uh, come here. So where are you now? You've got your own podcast. I do. I'm up to 90 with my comedy wife, Emma Doran. Um, So that was about the 90s until both myself and Emma were like, we're sick of talking about the 90s. So now we just talk shite every week and it works just as well. Um, So we've up to 90 and then I have Crimeland, which is a true crime comedy podcast kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, about what made up crimes? It's no, so it's what I do is I chat to someone different every week and I talk about like different true crime stories. So yeah. I might do, I think last week, what did I do last week? I did Pamela Smart. Do you remember the film To Die For? Yes, with oh, Nicole yeah. Kidman. Yeah, no, so that's that's based on a true story. So yeah. I did, I did that one. And you know all the big ones, Sophie Tuscan to Pontier and all those. Yeah. So I do a different one every week. I write up the story and then I have a guest and we have a chat about the story. Right, right. Because uh, I couldn't sleep last night and I started listening to one about this guy who supposedly, an Irish guy who kills loads of people in London in the tube station. Oh, yes. I, I, I know this guy. I think, oh, what's his name? Is You're it wrong. Dennis? Here on, I, you know, because a load of people have said to me about this guy, and I, it, yeah, it's a, it's a mad story. Here on Patrick Kelly, and, and he was, yeah. he was a proper serial killer. Well, they say that I'm halfway. There's a five part pub, podcast. There was a book written about him, but now the guy who wrote the book was called into question whether he made up a load of stuff as well. But I have heard that podcast is very good, actually, that five-parter. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, but he definitely killed a lot of people. But I, strangely enough, the guy who wrote the book <laughs> tried to add on more people. That uh, He just didn't think it was enough. I mean, that's just superfluous, isn't it? It's superfluous. <laughs> There's no need for that. Like one killing and I'm in. You don't have to. Be... <laughs> I know. A bit like... Trump likes to add add on. Yeah, he's whatever. he's fun. Yeah, he's fond of a little a little self edit. Actually, I'm excited because did you see his niece now has been given the all clear with her book? Oh yeah, to write yeah. to, to uh, speak. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, ah, yeah. good family. It just goes to show what uh, you, you're going to be a parent now. It just goes to show you better be a good parent. You don't want to because you know you could end up bringing up a Trump. Or, uh, oh, well, look, I mean, if he's anything like his dad, he's going to be very right wing. Let's face it. 
I know we're probably gonna if the child probably ends up being an accountant or so like it'll definitely have a proper job like living with the two of us but sure we'll do our best yeah I don't know I said that I said that about my kids and the two of them are fecking gone into the arts they'll never have any money anyway whatever but they'll, they'll be happy yes they, they will they will be happy. but they they've seen my life so they they know what to expect so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing then they're like they've seen what you know the arts in terms if you enter the arts what kind of life that will bring and they're like yeah this is for me anyway on that listen thanks a lot for chatting to me julie it's been great chatting to you and and good luck with the dingle and where you live is dingle yeah and and pregnancy <laughs> thanks so much joe i really enjoyed it thanks Emil, for having me you're the best ah uh, it was great chat thanks a lot julie thanks, thanks so lot. much <laughs> thanks Emil. Jay there what a lovely woman and very funny very funny woman um I will be talking I think next well I know I'm talking to a girl called Katie Pritchard tomorrow and uh, that could be the next podcast I think it will be yeah uh and uh not sure what's going to happen there for the next few weeks as I'm away down the country in Carlo shooting a, a web series with some American people uh that'll take up a lot of time but i will have i have some others recorded and i'll put them out and uh i'll keep you uh, i'll keep you uh, tabs on you and i'll be watching you i'm watching you i'm i'm watching you i will find you bye Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com.